Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hello, it's the Do Business Better podcast. This is part two with Nick Horeb. If you listened to part one, you know he's a smart dude. He's a Fargo, North Dakota business owner. He began a company called Harvest Profit four years ago. He was a 31-year-old man who had been a consultant working in the industry of agriculture. He saw a need for a product, a software product specifically, and he was not a software guy. He's not a techie guy. He's a business guy. But he said, there is a need for this in the marketplace. So he put his own money up, got some software developed, Turns out it was the wrong thing, and, and he lost about twenty-five or $30,000 as a young man, uh, still in his late 20s, early 30s. That's, uh, you've probably been there, and he finally got it right. They are a growing company. They're in their fourth year. They're continually getting new clients. Nick Horeb, welcome to part two, and thank you for the wonderful part one of the Do Business Better podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, we, uh, as soon as we got going with part one, I thought this guy has so much good stuff that every business person can relate to. And if you already listened to it, I apologize. If you didn't listen to part one, I encourage you to do so. He talked a lot about scaling up. You know, the, the scalability is such a popular term in boardrooms across America. Is it scalable? Is it scalable? And he's got about one-tenth of one percent of the farmers right now signed up as clients. And agriculture is a small fraternity, but it's a very, very important industry, obviously. There's not that many farmers, certainly farmers of consequence, meaning they've got thousands of acres, millions of dollars of capital. His product is a software that focuses on the money and the numbers side of it. So when we cut off a part one, we're talking about scaling up and growth. You want to get new customers. You believe one year from now, you can have 50% more customers than you have right now. How do you go about marketing to your marketplace? Yeah. So, you know, I think we, I think I got kind of lucky with the timing of, I started reading business books, marketing books, uh, just kind of, you know, falling down the Google, the Google rat hole of, of reading different articles and came across this concept of building up an email newsletter and email marketing list. And so I started doing that. Basically I would have a website up, try to get people's emails, provide value added thought to them. And over the years, over 10,000 people have opted into that email list. And then I I had, I think at the time, you know, when I launched Harvest Profit, there's maybe only 500 or a thousand people on that list, but I already had an audience to go out to. So if you know, Facebook or more and more of these social media platforms, they tell you to put your business on there and they give you all this, you know, they give you all this publicity, you know, publicity and, and, um, they give you an audience. And then as soon as their platform gets successful, they don't, you have to pay for the audience. Yeah. It's almost like like a bait and switch. Uh, you know, I'm active on social media and you can say it's marketing because obviously I sell speeches and books and and that's what I do. So it is marketing, but also I think that marketing, when we think of like, okay, when we were kids, or at least I was, snow day, you stay home and watch game shows. Well, what was, what was the advertisement uh, on prices, right? You know, impress your luck back in 1978, uh, tied, uh, you know, uh, laundry detergent, uh, cat food, you know, stuff that the housewife back in that era would have gone and bought. 
And then you say, well, that was marketing. That was advertising. Those were commercials. Damien, you put a post on uh, social media about uh, – the all natural banana leaves that they're using as food packaging now. That's not marketing, that's information. And I think that's where we gotta be now. We can't just be saying we need more Calgon or uh, you know, whisk gets rid of ring around the collar at a commercial on the price is right. It's marketing, but it's also giving away information and engagement. That's what's changed and you do that very well. You have a blog, you are active, you share information, but you also can't give away your product because otherwise you'll go broke. Tell me about yeah. your lessons. So, you know, when growing up, there's a, a thought that kind of sticks in my mind. And that was, you know, you'd go to a high school sporting event and they'd have a Coca-Cola sign next to the, the scoreboard and they'd have a Coca-Cola sign in the, on the baseball field, in the gym and on the a billboard. Well, the, the positive thing about, you know, this day, you know, the era of digital marketing uh, is my, I think of my email newsletter, I think of Twitter, Facebook, I think of, I think of those as almost that same kind of Coca-Cola advertising where they're just trying to subliminally get in your head. And I'm not trying to subliminally get in my people's heads, but I'm trying to add value, provide interesting thoughts. And so if they ever need or, or find themselves seeking a, a financial tool for their farm that harvest profit and, and myself and my team will come to the top of top of their mind. But the thing is, you know, Coca-Cola would pay somebody to go put up that billboard. We can do that with just, you know, 30 seconds of keyboard strokes today. We, we and that, that's really a powerful thing uh, for me is, and, and I've just kind of trained my mind. And if, if I come across a news article that's on, Bitcoin last year, for instance, when that stuff was going crazy, how can I frame that to help my followers and the, you know, the seven, 8,000 people on our email list? How can I, how can I present that in a way that's interesting to them? And so I'll just write up, a, I'll spend a half an hour, write up an email, send it out. You know, I can, you know, 30% of them will open it and then I go on and do other stuff in my day. And that's really how we built our business. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's everybody listening to this podcast. Uh, you know, they want to do business better. That's why they're here. And, uh, I got to say that it's changed. You know, my wife even says, she's, you know, people think that what you do sometimes isn't work. She says, I see you reading something in the Wall Street Journal, jotting down notes, and then putting something out on social media that you think is of interest and also can benefit the people that keep up with you. And I said, yeah, that's outreach. It's audience interaction. It's also a form of marketing because then the person says, Hey, you know what? We've got this, uh, insurance agents association meeting in Kansas. I just read this guy had this article about how the service industry needs to reinvent itself. You know, so that's really what we're doing. It's more work than people would realize. Yes. It's democratized, meaning we don't have yeah. to be, we don't have to have an ad agency or hire someone to go and put up a billboard. We can do it on our computer, but also it is work. Yeah, exactly. I think I've written, I think I've written 115 blog posts. Um, a lot of those start out as emails, but I mean, if you look at the time I've spent doing that and, and the cognitive load of just always being, always looking for that stuff, it's not, yeah, it's not easy. And, and I think a lot of people are kind of paralyzed from, you know, putting an opinion out there, putting a, putting a post out there because, you know, the whole pitchfork nation will come and tear you down if you, if you say something or if you have a spelling error, but at the end of the day, if you can, uh, if you can add value to people 
Um, it goes back to this old advertising man, David Ogilvie, who started these ads that were all informational, like how to, you know, he would be selling a, a cooking product and there would be how to cook these seven things. And it would be very little on, you know, trying to present a model that's looking good in a bathing suit. It's how to, it's adding information. And that type of concept I think is, is the recipe for success. And it's kind of like planting a vineyard, you know, it's not going to all of a sudden yield, you know, it's not like going and brewing a batch of beer where the beer's done. It's you're, you're, you're planting the seeds, but once you have that, you know, that high end vineyard producing fruit, it's a pretty valuable enterprise. And that's how I think about content and social media and, in building up a reputation. Speaking of content, I got to take a little commercial break here. And the dear listeners are saying, what are you talking about? A break, a commercial break. Damien, you got a sponsor? Of course I have a sponsor. It's me. I've got a book out called Do Business Better. And I want to make sure that if you're listening to this podcast and you're getting and gleaning information you can use and apply to your business, because that's our goal here. Just like Mr. Horeb said, the goal here is to help you improve your business to create a life and business by choice. My book, Do Business Better, is available, is just published, just released on April 2nd via Wiley Publishing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Just type in Do Business Better, Damian Mason. It's like 17 bucks, $17. If it saves you a year of frustration, if it gives you 19, 20, 30 different tips, ideas, insights you can use, it's worth it. So please check it out. Back to my friend, Nick Horeb with Harvest Profit. What, ha what have we talked about marketing? You are a marketing guy. You look at it every day and say, how can I create something of value and build my, my, my clientele, my business? What is another good habit you have besides the writing and, and all that? What good habit do you have that's helped you get to this point in your business? I'm pretty, you know, this necessarily maybe isn't a habit, but I am familiar enough, I'm familiar enough off with uh, the market we're in and the product space we're in where there's an intuition about you know what we should work on next and what features we should build and what features we shouldn't build and so you know just the the product vision the, the product management is is what i think i'm pretty good at um okay well let me tell you that a bunch of things that i don't think i'm good at so. okay well, well we'll get to that but before we get to the what you're not good at i in the book talk about the four traits of success and vision is really what you outlined is the fourth trait of entrepreneurial success i say that we need risk tolerance drive and ambition resilience because you're going to get knocked down and vision you said you can look out over the marketplace and see and perceive what the future demand might be or what the customer base is needing that is vision what about the other three traits risk tolerance drive and resilience do you possess Lots of those parts of those. Tell me about those other three traits. So risk tolerance, I'm definitely not afraid to take risks on, you know, going from a, my consulting gig to jumping into this uncertain software venture when I didn't, I didn't have any classical training in software. Um, drive. Yeah. I'm not afraid. Yeah. I'm definitely not afraid. I enjoy the fun thing is I enjoy what I'm doing. So the drive comes along with that. 
That's the easiest one to learn. In my opinion, drive is just discipline. It means, yeah, it's Saturday at 6 a.m. I'd like to just lay in bed, but you know what? I've got to get into the office and do a few hours of productivity because my customers demand it. Uh, drive is just just discipline. It's the same reason, perfect attendance. You know, I wasn't always on the honor roll. In fact, I wasn't very often, but by God, I had perfect attendance. I showed up and that's the way I look at drive. It's just discipline. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. And it really helps when you're having fun doing what you're doing. Um, you know, if you enjoy going to the gym and running on the treadmill, you're probably going to be pretty healthy. And, uh, <sighs> if you can, if you can make, if you can mix that with some, yeah, you know, with some determination, it's just kind of the, the perfect recipe. Refresh memory on the fourth one. Well, the, you just said it, you said determination. I call it resilience. You know, yep. uh, the world's going to kick your ass. <laughs> it doesn't yep. mean, yep. it doesn't mean to, it's not because it sets out to kick your ass, but somewhere along the line, you're going to lose money. You're going to invest in a product that doesn't sell. You're going to have a client relationship blow up. You're going to have some problem somewhere, economic based, market based, product based, employee based, and you're going to be a down on the canvas. The more resilient you are, the more successful you will be because you've got to keep getting back up off the canvas. That's, yep. one, that's the one I think is the most important, but you, you know, I, I tend to care a lot about our product. You know, to be honest, I had a customer call today and he said he wasn't gonna, you know, he decided that he wasn't going to use the software next year. And, and in the past that would have, you know, that would have been pretty demoralizing and probably took down my whole day. And I said, I said, you know, thank him for his business and we'll be around if he ever changes his mind. And I told him the, you know, I, I pointed out a, a little bit of a flaw in his logic and then I hung up the phone and just, I almost felt good about it. I'd rather have no customer <laughs> than an unhappy customer. And so I've, I've gotten much better at, at being resilient. Um, you know, you tell you, it's funny you talk about vision and that should have been, so if you, there's certain models out there, you know, there's this concept of traction, the model of traction. It's a pretty popular business book. And they say, you know, you have a visionary CEO and or, yeah, visionary CEO and then a COO, which they call an integrator. I am a visionary CEO. I am not the day to day details person. Uh, <laughs> okay. And you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm forced to get better at stuff like that. But you know, I, I like to, I like to come up with this magical vision, but it, you know, when it t it's like, all right, then breaking that down into the 42 tasks that it takes to get there. I like to pass that off. Okay. So, that's uh, by the way, first off, you're, you're combining a couple of things and this is great. You haven't even gotten my book. I'm going to send you a copy when we, when we hang up here, but, uh, you're talking about vision and that's big picture where things are going, where needs will be. I always say things like, for instance, uh, Uber, if you know, yellow cab didn't see Uber in the rear view mirrors, they thought their competition was the bus or another cab company. You know, there's this idea that instead of focusing on your competition, cause that's what commodity mindset people do. They just focus on the competition or how much of something they can produce, how cheaply they can produce it. Visionaries say, where's the future need? What's, what is the world going to demand? That's what vision is. Then you just combined with another aspect out of my book, Do Business Better. I talk about business personalities. I call it the five Ps. A product person, a process person, a people person, a promotion person, or a profitability person. Now, each of us have a few of those that probably really work inside of our head. For you, I'm guessing it's product, 
and it's profitability and a bit of promotion. You don't give two hoots in hell about uh, the, the process and managing people probably is a struggle because you're a classic entrepreneur. Am I right? Yeah. Yep. You're, you're pretty spot on. It's funny. I, I'm writing these monthly journals for a local magazine that's going to be published later this year. And I laid out, I think a half dozen goals. And one of my goals is being better with people. And so far I've given myself a D in January, a D in February. And it just isn't. Yeah. Just isn't. <laughs> so it's, I like to say a chain is only as, you know, a chain is as strong as its weakest link. And I, um, yeah, I know where I'm weak and it's, it's fun to, to see the business grow where we can start to, you know, to take my weak little flimsy chain when it comes to managing people or process and, and supplement those with, um, w with great people. And so, yeah, it's, uh, I think you really hit the nail on the head with those five P's. Good for, well, good for you. That's awesome. I, I appreciate you saying that. And, uh, I'll make sure I mark that chapter in the book that I sent to you, but I want to go back to that because I think it's so critically important for us as entrepreneurs, self-employed business owners, whatever we are, and whoever happens to be listening to this podcast in their role to understand you're not going to be probably just one of the five P's, but you're also impossible. It's impossible to be good at all five of the P's. I am a promotion person and a profitability person, not really a people person. You know, my wife always points that out to strangers and whatnot. They say, Oh, I bet you Damien, he has a comedy background. He used to be in comedy. I bet you he's the life of the party. And she says he actually, when he travels, hides in his hotel room and works and reads, he's closetly introverted. Uh, and so also I'm very blunt and straight to the point. Hell, I wrote a book called brutal truth. I'm not great at people only because I'm so blatantly honest, probably the same with you and process. That is, that is the kind of people that enjoy reading manuals and, and following rules process makes me lose my mind. It has to get done, but I don't care how it gets done. Yeah. 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 And I, I would completely agree with that. And you know, for me, I had somebody come into the office here a couple of weeks ago and they said, Oh, well, you know, I bet things are crazy busy for you today. And, and I said, you know, to be honest, my guys are in the middle of some longer projects. Um, I, d I crossed a bunch of things off my to-do list yesterday. I don't have a whole heck of a lot that I need to do today. So I can do this bigger picture thinking. And so I'm starting to see the benefits of slogging through getting those damn processes documented because the benefits of that are, you know, if I don't have to do it myself, if I don't have to sit here and worry, or if I don't have to neglect things, there's been plenty of times where I've just neglected it because I don't like to do it. Um, and if you can kind of put that, if you can, if I can, you know, fix those, yeah, that was a pretty good place to be in that day. Like I pulled up a blank spreadsheet, talk about one of the greatest joys of my life, pulling up a blank spreadsheet and I can start doing some brainstorming on, you know, some different products and some different models. And I didn't have to worry. I wasn't neglecting anything else. No, so, actually that, that gives you, what you're saying is you need space away from the day-to-day -day process to think big picture about the future of harvest profit. Yeah. Yeah. And, or, you know, just getting in the zone and writing, you know, my software developers, what big push that I've been trying to, do. we're moving into a new office. that's actually going to be built next week. It's going to be finished next, um, next week. And we're all getting single offices because I think people, they should have their, um, they should have their space to just get to do deep work and not, 
you know, not have this big open office, chatty, chatty, um, you know, interrupting everybody. And I see the same thing for me where, and a lot of it is due because it's hard for me not to engage with somebody. If they walk by, how are you doing? Or ask a question. Um, but I've really grown to appreciate the deep work and like writing. I'm sure if, when you get in a groove writing, man, it feels good. You can be highly productive, but if you get stuck, you get stuck. And so I've, I've seen the benefits of clearing that, clearing those weaknesses off of my plate and just getting them done. So I'm not neglecting them so I can focus with a clear mind on, on things that I'm good at. You've said two things that I, uh, I, I, I want to make sure that the listener is getting this also about focus. And you talked about giving everybody their space, quiet space to do deep work. The open office concept, big article. I posted it on social media and gave my commentary a few months ago, the biggest dumbass disastrously, I mean, disastrously stupid idea. We're going to have a bunch of people who really, who, who would just as soon talk about last night's basketball game as work all in a big space being noisy and chatty. How did we ever decide that's productive? You like to be able to focus and you're yeah. going to build a new facility that allows you to do that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but I hold, there's a, a software company called Basecamp. They used to be called 37 signals. I hold that the them in really high regard. Um, there may be a little free spirit, a little more free spirited than I am. But one of their things is this concept of allowing people to work remote, you know, not having, not having the expectation that everybody's on a chat room all the time. And one of the founders, Jason Freed, he did a survey and he asked people, if you really need to get something done, where do you go? If you need to get a really important project done and people will say, go to the coffee shop, I go home, I do it in my bedroom. Um, I, you know, go to a hotel and he's like, why don't you say office? Shouldn't you go to your office <laughs> when you need to get stuff done? How sick is that? And, you know, when you're doing deep work, I think it's like a probably like a 10 X magnitude of productivity versus just, you know, chatting with your neighbor, typing an email. And so I really value, um, yeah, I've, when I've got, when I've gotten in the groove here a couple of times recently, I probably done two days of work in two hours. So it's, it's a fun place to be. It's a great place also, because I, I mean, everybody, since they're listening and they want to get, you know, they want to improve their business. Don't be bashful or, or reluctant to tell folks, no, I need focus time and I need to be able to crank out deep work. My wife and I always talk about that. When I just sit at my office with the door closed and just crank, I might get done in six hours. What the average employee in an office, the open office concept takes a day and a half to do because you're not doing all the distraction and there's enough distractions yeah. in my head as it is. Cause I'm ADHD. Yep. And the, you know, you talk about people, and me not being a micromanager, I'm probably too loose. I don't like to have sit downs and one-on-ones. I just want to allow people to do, let's just all do good work and keep an eye on what we're doing and let's keep the, keep the ship moving forward. But for instance, today, one of, I woke up at five 30 this morning. I went to the gym. I was working at seven, seven, probably seven 30. One of my, main employees didn't get to work till 11 today. Um, and he is a, you know, I'm a, they call it a lark, a morning person. He's a night owl. He is going to work. He's not, he's going to have lunch at his desk today. He's going to work probably till six 30. 
And then he gets, he works a half day on the weekend. And, you know, a lot of companies, he would get, you know, that wouldn't be acceptable. You show up at 11, you're done. And, and, and you, I say, don't care and you say, what the hell difference does it make? The work is what matters, not the time clock. Yeah. Let's just do good work. And if that's when you feel you do the best work, so be it. All right. so, we're we're going to wrap it up. I agree with you, by the way. And, and from a management standpoint, my wife always says, Damien, you are so not routine. You, you sometimes you're at your desk at five 30 and sometimes you go and work out and play with your dog. And then you start cranking at 10 30. Uh, but the main thing is we crank <laughs> and that's what really matters from a productivity. Yep, yep. I like to talk about productivity versus activity, which is a big objective for me and my business this year is making sure that we're not just spending the hours. We're actually cranking out something of value. Yep. Yep. Last thought. I recently, I, re I recently listened to a, or read a book called atomic habits, which is good on, you know, how to do more, how to do more positive habits and how to eliminate negative habits. And it's just highly actionable. And it talks about, yeah, you know, focusing on, you know, for a visionary like me, it's, yeah, it's a great book. And it, it, it talks about, you I'm going to write a blog post today. And so when are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to do it at 10 o'clock and just do it and put yourself in an environment that allows you to be productive. And yeah, it's i I'm, I'm a kind of a voracious reader and I'm excited to read your book. And that's, you know, other than this online marketing, building a following, building an audience, you know, reading is probably, you know, right up there's kind of the two most valuable things that I've, that I've done. And I actually take time out of the day to, to read and don't feel bad about that. It was one of my questions I was going to ask you, but maybe we'll just use it as your recommendation because I agree. My wife even says that she says, good thing is when you're traveling, you're reading. Uh, I go on airplanes, Nick, and I see people, they close the, the slide on the window as soon as we take off. So you're sitting in a dark tube so that grown men and women can sit and play video games and watch movies on a Tuesday when you're dry, flying across country. I think, isn't there some work or some productive thing you could be doing? I read the yeah, wall street. I read the wall street journal and I read business books. So, uh, so reading is one of your good habits. When we talked about habits that you have reading is one of your good habits. What, what else closing thought recommendation for anybody that can improve their business and their life. One thing you've learned in your 35 years of success with a couple of failures and setbacks and then more successes. The number one thing a person can do in my opinion is to start a blog and start an email newsletter. And just do it. If you don't have it, just do it. Like if you're in a corporation, do, do, you know, sign up for first name, go to godaddy.com and buy a domain name, whatever you want, start writing, put your thoughts out there, build an audience. That's the, 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 the number one lever that I think uh, people can pull in their business and, and whether they have a established business or a new business, you know, we can all, we can all start our own you know, essentially our own newspapers these days, given the tools that we have for, you know, just a little bit of our time. Yeah. And like you said, it creates audience engagement, customer engagement, and you're giving some information to the customers that, that they can use. It's not, it's, again, it's not, we need more Calgon commercials anymore. It's engagement and, and information. Yep, exactly. Nick, if these people want to look you up because you're such a smart dude, if they happen to be in Fargo, they can stop in. But otherwise, if they're not in Fargo, they can find you where? harvestprofit.com can learn more about our business. And then I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, Nick Horob, all one word. And my last name is spelled H O R O B as in boy. Thanks for being my guest, Nick. I really appreciate it. Sounds great. All right. Until next time, this is the do business, a better podcast.